Welcome to another episode of the TRN Server Podcast. I am Blardy8, or Philip Schmitz, and I want to thank Anchor for creating a platform to provide a podcast. And unfortunately, I'm sorry that we've had to delay the most recent episode. Long story short, uh, there was a 24-hour Rolex iRacing race over the weekend that me, Heykatra, and Bailey from the server participated, as well with um, Boss Cookie and Deer Hunter from the Breakout Racing League. We intended to race on Friday afternoon. Uh, that race had issues early. Tried to re-rack Saturday morning at 2 a.m., and that one as well got destroyed early. And I'm talking both of those in the first hour, like, and not our fault. The third one, though, we did that at 10 a.m. 10.30 a.m. was the race start time Saturday morning. And that ended at Sunday at 10.30. So I was occupied with that pretty much all day Saturday, uh, helping the team from above with anything that they needed, information with what other teams are doing for lap times, helping out spotting or just things like that. And, you know, we won that race by five laps uh, when it ended Sunday morning at 10.30. And hey, Catra and Bailey uh, for the server, they did a great job in their stints. And so did Boss Cookie and Deer Hunter. Um, They did a lot of the heavy load in the initial of that part of the race. Um, We had one issue, I think, in the first hour, and we fell a lap down. By the time Boss Cookie and Deer were done with their you know, first half of the race, actually it was the first third, and handed it over to Hey Catcher and Bailey for the the actual night part of uh, the race. Not in the race, but, you know, midnight, Saturday night, actually. I think it was more, it was sooner than that. Anyways, Hey Bailey and Hey Catcher did a fantastic job of guiding the car home, uh, giving it to Deer Hunter, and he drove it for the final, I want to say three hours, uh, to the finish so massive shout out to those guys uh, they're tired they're exhausted and I don't blame them uh, I think with me helping them I think I got about four hours of sleep Saturday night going into Sunday um, we and also a shout out to Polo Q he was racing as well in the Rolex 24 for a different team and I forgot where he said they finished I think he said second I don't remember, um, but we're gonna have Dom, uh, Hey Catcher, and Bailey hopefully this weekend upcoming to talk about it because I think it was all three of theirs first ever go at a race like this and just to talk about it. Um, I also intended to have Maniko for this episode, however. He's been under the weather the whole weekend. Uh, he's had something just just really hit him hard. Uh, he says it's not COVID, which is a good thing, but he's had members of his family have COVID, so that's very unfortunate. And I can relate because I I caught pretty much COVID. Um, I didn't go get tested, but long story short, Sunday I started feeling sick and... I had the same symptoms that my dad has when he tested positive, so I'm just I'm at home now doing this, and I'll be home for quite some time. 
But uh, we'll have Maniko on here in the, in the very future. He was very wanting to do this. So look out for that in the future. And we'll go ahead and jump into the news. Uh, it was a quiet sort of week for NASCAR. Not much going on. Probably the biggest thing to hit happened probably Saturday night when it was announced that Tony Stewart will join Clint Boyer and Mike Joy in the Fox booth for the Clash uh, in two weeks' time, and also the Daytona 500. Stewart is the co-owner of Stewart Haas Racing in NASCAR, but he also is part of the owners in the SRX series that debuted last year. Um... There was kind of growing, perhaps, maybe tensions between NASCAR and SRX for having that. And, you know, was Tony trying to, you know, be a thorn in NASCAR's side? Well, I think seeing this maybe shows that that indeed isn't the case. Gary Crotty will become the first NASCAR member of the FAA courts uh, that was announced last week. Uh, Coda will be repaved for the upcoming races for Formula One and NASCAR this year. It's the first major repave that they've had since the track was built in 2012. They've had some parts like on the long uh, DRS straight. They've kind of shaved the pavement a little bit to help the bumps. But that's going to be for this upcoming year. The money team is close to announcing plans for the Daytona 500, and it is rumored that they'll have Kaz Grala in the car, so hopefully that happens for the money team and also Kaz Grala, so that way he can be racing in, in NASCAR. In the Cup Series, he raced in three of the four races for Colleague in the Super Speedways last year at Daytona and Talladega. And last but not least, uh, speaking of Colleague, uh, it was announced that Daniel Hemrick would race in the 16 car for Colleague uh, for the Daytona 500. Today also announced the rest of the driver lineup for the 16 car. It will be Hemrick pretty much taking over the super speedway part of the schedule with Daytona, Talladega, and Atlanta, and I think a handful of races as well. AJ Amadinger, as you could probably assume, will take the road course part of that car and the schedule with a handful of other races added. And then Noah Gragson will basically take the rest of it. Um, it's kind of a good balanced portion of races for the three. And be interesting to see what they do in that car for this upcoming season. IndyCar news. It was confirmed that Tony Kanaan will race for Chip Ganassi Racing in the Indy 500. I say uh, confirmed because when Jimmy Johnson signed his two-year deal, to race for Ganassi last year. It was for the road and street course program of the 48 car. And Tony Kanaan was signed to do the oval portion of the 48 car for the next two years. Well, after last year ended, there was the growing kind of assumption or rumor that Jimmy might have a go in the Indy 500. He tested at Texas for Chip Ganassi Racing. He later on would test at Indianapolis. And then it was announced that Jimmy will race full-time this upcoming year for IndyCar, which kind of left uh, Kanan in limbo, kind of a question mark of, well, what is he What is he going to do in 2022? Jimmy always stated that Kanan will have a seat with Ganassi for the Indy 500. He said that pretty much every time the question was asked. 
Um, and it was pretty much known that Kanan would be in the Indy 500, uh, just waiting for the team to announce it. Well, last week they did. Unknown if this will be Tony Kanan's only race in 2020, um, or if he will also race at Texas in the both Iowa races, we will see. Um, and unknown if this will be Kanan's last Indy 500. Uh, he's been. This will be his 21st attempt in the Indy 500. He won the race in 2013. He made his debut in 2012, uh, not 2012, sorry, 2002 with uh, Homun Racing. And I believe, if my memory is right, with Homun and then with Andretti. He led a lap in every race from 2002 to, I believe, 2009. Um, he was always a contender to win that race. And uh, just had just horrible luck just affect him to not win it until he did in 2013 with KB Racing. And the last thing for IndyCar, it's been a very light week as well. Uh, Tatiana Cotteron will race the Road and Street Course program for AJ Fort Racing this upcoming season. Cotteron, most recent series I believe she participated was the Super Formula Series in Japan. Which is not a bad series. That's where Alex Pelot came from, our uh, defending champion for IndyCar this upcoming season. Uh, she's been in F3. She's been in F2. She's done some sports car racing. Um, I'm just a little nervous about this because she's jumping into an IndyCar. Um, but she's going to have very limited testing in this car. She is racing with a team that, if I'm, if I'm going to be honest, they've not been good. Uh, AJ Fort Racing has not won a race since 2012 and they've been pretty much at the back half of the IndyCar grid funding's always been a question mark with this team and personnel has always been a question mark with this team um, simply put all the really good engineers all the really good personnel people that you would want for a team they've already been signed there's no one at home just laying around and Tatiana's big, she's going to go to tracks that she's never practiced, never tested, has maybe knowledge of just seeing it, but she's never raced at it in a car that she's never really been in. And I don't think this is a really good mix for her. Um, I feel like this is a fish jumping into a really big lake here, and she has really no, no idea or no kind of foundation to work with and if it was me I would have liked more if she did the uh, Indy Lights for a year if she did that for one year get her feet under her not mainly of that car yes but also these tracks like St. Pete like Long Beach like Barber like you know mid-Ohio iRacing is one thing which by the way iRacing doesn't have St. Pete uh, I don't. I believe it doesn't even have Middle Ohio, but it will give her more familiarization of these tracks before she makes a jump to IndyCar. Um, so I, that's the thing I'm just real nervous about. I really hope it goes well um, for her. Last but not least is the Formula One news. Uh, it's been kind of active, and it's unfortunate that Monico fell under the weather because been kind of holding him off a little bit because he's been wanting to do this and 
he's mainly the F1 guy. He knows a lot about F1. And we were waiting for a week where F1 is pretty active compared to NASCAR or IndyCar. But we'll just have to wait to have another go at that. However, it was announced that Alan Prost will leave Alpine as an advisor to the team uh, amid tensions with Alpine CEO Laurent Rossi. Apparently, those two butted heads. And Rossi told Prost that you're no longer needed. Um, Alan Prost did not like the way the announcement was told via social media. Um, Alan Prost said that via Instagram that he didn't like the way that was announced, uh, but he still uh, wished the team the best of luck. Speaking of Alpine, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, Otmar Safnar uh, indeed left Aston Martin uh, amid the rumors that he would be going to Alpine. Uh, those rumors that came out, during last year's Brazilian Grand Prix weekend. Well, that's actually been uh, confirmed. So, uh, Safnar will join Alpine. Not only that, he will bring BWT, who has been a major sponsor for Aston Martin or back in the day of Racing Point or Force India, uh, for that team. Uh, much of the reason why you saw a pink car uh, for Racing Point. But last year, with Aston Martin coming in, we saw a pretty much dominant green livery with not much pink on it. Um, it's very interesting because we've seen personnel changes. We've seen driver changes. We don't normally see a sponsor go with a person or a driver. We've seen their kind of sort of personal sponsors, right? Like some drivers have a personal sponsor relationship with them. That's one thing. We've not seen what you would call a title sponsor of a Formula One team go with a said driver or go with a said personnel. That is going to be interesting to follow. Um, I know Lawrence Stroll's rich and all those things, but still at the end of the day, watching money leave your team does not sit well with anyone that's in racing. Um McLaren CEO Zach Brown confirms that they did have talks with Audi amid the whole Volkswagen takeover rumors. Rumors that started a month, maybe a month and a half ago, that it kind of came up on Twitter and um, really didn't go anywhere. McLaren reached a state, said a statement, etc., just trying to cool it off. But Zach Brown did indeed announce that no, there were actual talks between them and Audi. And also mentioned that Red Bull uh, is linked with Porsche for 2024. McLaren's linked with Audi for 2024 as well. And I can kind of see this because both Porsche and Audi are under the Volkswagen umbrella. So one would possibly assume that if Zach Brown was asking or whatever about Audi, if Perhaps Porsche was mentioned, and then it was told, oh, actually, this is going on with Porsche. So I can see that, and we also know, you know, Red Bull, Honda's leaving. Honda's still supporting the team, but they're not supporting them as much as uh, an engine manufacturer would. They're kind of backing out of Formula 1, and that's why you're seeing Red Bull basically develop their own engines. But uh would make sense if that is the team that is linked to Porsche is the team that doesn't have 
a Ferrari or Mercedes engine to them. Last but not least, Dan Fallows, who was the Red Bull head chief of aerodynamics, will join Aston Martin in April of this year. He will become their technical director. This was kind of a decision thing that was a lot of blocking, if you would like, by Red Bull, mainly because Fallows knew about the 2022 car, I guess, for Red Bull, knew their designs and had information about it. And, you know, you don't want to see someone that has kind of knowledge of what you're going to do go to a rival team and then implement that knowledge to that team. So a lot of blocking by Red Bull's part, but they both reached an agreement uh, between Aston Martin and Red Bull, unknown of what really is in the agreement. Um, we'll move to the Q&A part of the podcast, questions that are submitted uh, via Discord. BRL Ardell asks, will Ferrari be a top team next season? Ferrari's been rumored to be one of those teams that have really looked into the 2022 car a lot to find details, to find perhaps loopholes, if you'd like, within the regulations to build their current car. And also, you look at Ferrari last year, beginning of the year, beginning of testing, they are the fifth best car. And they slowly made improvements as the year progressed. Second half of the year, you know, they didn't win a race. Uh, They came close. I mean, Russia could have been on the cards for them. But... You know, they finished P3 in the championship. They had a really good uptick in performance. And let's be fair here, Ardell. It's Ferrari. You could ask me this question every year, and I would probably tell you yes, because they have the funding. They have the budget because of the obvious. They usually have the drivers. Uh, They usually always have a solid driver lineup that you would look at and having one of them be a championship contender in their stable. You know, Charles Leclerc, you could also say the same of Carlos Sainz Jr. Prior, you could say the same to Sebastian Vettel. Then you could say Fernando Alonso, Kimi Raikkonen, go all down the board. Raikkonen, I'm talking late 2000s version of Raikkonen. Um, They have the ability to get the best engineers, the best personnel, everything that they need in order to be contenders. So... Yeah, um, moving on to Demon Knight's question. And before I do, I talked a couple weeks ago, if anyone that races on NASCAR Heat 5 that has been experienced in leagues and been league hopping and looking for a league that is fun to be in, fun to race in, have good banter, uh, please consider the Reaper Crew League. And if you're someone that's new to NASCAR Heat 5 and wants to just jump into a league because you're tired of multiplayer lobbies that are just consisting of a wreck fest, please join this as well. Um, All you have to do to be a part of the league is just do a test drive or a test race with a handful of people in the league and just to show that, hey, you can't race. That's literally it. But this is the league that Demon Knights owns. And he has owned it for quite some time. And it's a league that I'm actually still racing in. I'm actually going to race tonight. Uh, the truck series, so I might do a handful of Xfinity stuff and etc. But Demon Knights ask, how do you feel about the Canadian Motor Speedway project finally being laid to rest? Do you think Canada will get an oval speedway that can host NASCAR races? 
I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say no because I think the market for oval racing right now for a NASCAR or even genuinely, even IndyCar, it's not very high right now. Um, 20 years ago, you saw ovals, Texas, you know, they had two dates at one point. Now they have one date. Chicagoland debuted in 2001. NASCAR doesn't race there anymore. Kentucky, I think NASCAR made their debut in 2007. They don't race there anymore. Um, you know, Vegas, they still have two races. But just NASCAR is going to the transition of they're racing at more road courses now. They even throw dirt at Bristol. Uh, they revamped Nashville Super Speedway. There's rumors that they could go to North Wilkinsboro in the future. Rumors about Rockingham, etc. I don't see, you know, they even talking about redoing the Nashville Fairgrounds. I don't see a brand new oval being built in the next five years because not only is NASCAR with their new car, we'll see if the product's better, but the previous gen car, the product on ovals was not that good. And the flip side of that, I know you asked the NASCAR question, but look at IndyCar. IndyCar a decade ago was very oval dependent. It was very, I would say, 60% of the series was ovals. You know, they raced at Texas, they raced at Auto Club, they raced at Kansas, Chicagoland, Kentucky. Uh, Michigan, I don't know if I said Michigan, Iowa, uh, Richmond. Um, these are the tracks that you know consisted of their schedule uh, over a decade ago. Now, they only race at Iowa twice, Texas, and Indianapolis. And, you know, everyone's been wanting for them to do more ovals. And Roger Pinsky has said that he wants to add more ovals to the IndyCar season. But I... Yeah, I, it's just right now the market for making a new oval isn't really high. And I think unless you're going to have an agreement of like, hey, build an oval and we'll have an agreement with NASCAR that will show up for the next five years, it's the only way it would work. That being said, I will say this. Um, I think NASCAR does get a race in Canada. I've been wanting NASCAR to do a doubleheader weekend with IndyCar in Toronto. NASCAR has been rumored to be looking into doing street racing with this new gen car. Uh, Chicagoland's been a rumor. Not Chicagoland, I'm sorry. A street course in Chicago has been a rumor. But I would love for them to go race in Canada, race in Toronto, get the Canadian market. And you're also racing at a very kind of very known street uh, circuit. So that's what I would think might happen in the future for NASCAR and in Canada. Ethan asks, uh, how do you think Porsche will do in the 2022 DTM season? I'm going to be honest. I've not watched a lot of DTM racing in my day. Um, it's something that I'm going to try to watch more going into this year. Uh, Ethan, send me links, please. Um, but I believe if my memory is right, Porsche is jumping in for the first time in uh, quite a bit with DTM. Didn't see a lot of drivers attached, but one thing I did see attached is Timo Bernard is creating a team for DTM this year with Porsche. Bernard is a two-time 24-hour Le Mans winner. 
He also was the driver that broke the fastest lap ever at Nürburgring and that Porsche 919's hypercar, supercar, the one that was tricked out uh, that they billed after they bowed out of the World Endurance Championship in 2017, I believe. Um, be interesting to see how Porsche does, but also I, I'm interested to see how just DTM is. Um, I'm aware of it. Um, I've seen some clips of it, but I've never really had any knowledge of it. Uh, other than I know this is where Robert Wickens came from before he went to IndyCar. And I've known that, you know, Dario Franchitti raced there. So did like Tom Christensen. He raced there. So be interesting. Um, Monico asked with the recent news of Aston Martin no longer having Otmeyer and have brought in Mike Crack for that position as team principal. How do you feel about how this will could affect them going forward, especially with the regulations this season? Um, you know, I don't know. Um, it depends of how much Otmar knows of what Alpine or uh, what Aston Martin's doing to help Alpine. I think the bigger thing that will help Aston Martin going into this year is how much does Don Fallows know about what Red Bull is doing with their 2022 car, and it, does he have any ability to point Aston Martin into the right direction of where to go with their upcoming car for the upcoming season? Um, Make no mistake, Aston Martin had a very disappointing 2021 season. Uh, this after the year prior in 2020, they won a race with Sergio Perez. They finished fourth in the championship, I believe. Uh, they were in a fight with McLaren for P3. And, you know, they were a really good, solid contender that kind of sort of, you know, irked eyebrows if we're honest with the way their car was built. It was pretty much a copy-paste of the Mercedes in 2019. But uh, yeah, Aston Martin needs to come back and have a strong season. Thoughts on NASCAR at the LA Coliseum says Carbon. If you asked me a month ago, I was not really interested in this race. I felt like it was a gimmick. I felt like, why are you doing this, if I'm honest? Um, but as time has gone on, after seeing the track layout, which, hey, it's very narrow, going to have a lot of cars getting beaten and banged, very simple as that. Um, but with this new gen car, with the teams having low car counts, with, um, you know, probably only going to get cosmetic damage here. So now a lot uh, that needs to be repaired on these cars. So that makes sense. And, hey, we're racing in L.A. We're racing the week before the Super Bowl. And we're racing in L.A. Coliseum. We're racing in the stadium. As time progressed on, I was I went to the side of this is going to be interesting. Never seen this before. I've never seen like a race at Bowman Gray Stadium. Um, why not? Why not? Um, and who knows? Maybe this is the future of how we race for the Clash. I'm not saying go to a stadium in the future and race. Maybe we'll see it go to different short tracks. Um, and try to re revitalize short track racing. NASCAR spent a million dollars to build the track, but it wasn't just NASCAR. Bush Beer has spent money as well to promote this track and also help build this track. I could see this being a thing to where Bush and NASCAR or whoever they go to, let's just say uh, Ron's a big fan of Stafford. They go to Stafford and they... Um, 
repave it and kind of give it some infrastructure there for it to help that track going on in the future. Things like that. Um, so we'll see. I Hopefully it's a race that's interesting and it doesn't make NASCAR look bad. That's the only thing I'm hoping for. Um, last but not least, Pride of Wyoming asked, and he asked this yesterday, uh, being the fact that I'm filming this on a Monday, I've decided to add this question. With you being a Rams fan, are you happy they drew the 49ers at NFC Championship game or no? I'm just, before I get into the question, I'm going to say this. There were 30 minutes of my life yesterday where I was, I think I lost about two years of my life. That fourth quarter against the, against the Buccaneers. Oh my, wow. Um, you talk about all your fears when you're facing Tom Brady coming to reality. And it really sort of about did. And then uh, we still won the game. It took me a bit to calm down. But that being said, back to Wyoming's question. Am I happy as a Rams fan facing the 49ers who've beaten us twice this year for the NFC Championship game? Um, yeah, because I think it, it. I would rather face them at our own place rather than being on the road and playing Green Bay and being in the elements. Uh, yeah, I know San Francisco beat Green Bay, but you know, Green Bay beat us in the regular season as well. And I'll be honest here. The first matchup on a Monday night, you know, we just lost Robert Woods for the year. And we just brought in Odell Beckham. And I think offensively, we were just out of sinks. But fair credit to San Francisco. They ran it down our throat on that Monday night game and pretty much dominated. The second meeting, the Week 18 meeting, well, first half, we were up 17-0. And we were doing everything that we needed to do to win that game only to see the second half be pretty much a Calvin Carpy of the first meeting on that Monday night game where San Fran ran down our throats and then defensively just, you know, they dominated. Um, it's going to be a game of whoever imposes their will first, either the 49ers and their defense and their running game, or if it's going to be the Rams with their offense who like to go up the field, like to use their playmakers and et cetera like that. Uh, one factor could be, I would say Cam Akers. Yeah, he made his debut against the 49ers for the first time this year, but he only had the ball for a couple of times. Uh, barring his fumbling issues, if Cam Akers plays like he did yesterday or like in, against Arizona, I think that will change our offense a bit against San Francisco. But, um, yeah, uh, I'm not going to say I'm not happy of having the NFC Championship game in – our own place at our home when if you think about it that was the the goal for this year was to get the number one seed to be in this position that we're in right now so it is what it is when you just have to deal with it um it's gonna make for a very interesting weekend of football um we saw the bills and i'm sorry the chiefs and Bengals. they played earlier in the year in cincinnati Cincinnati pretty much had their way a bit with Kansas City, but this time they're going to Kansas City, and I think you're going to see a really good NFC Championship game between the the Rams and the 49ers. Outside of Wild Card Weekend, where you had one really good game, if I remember right, between the 49ers and Cowboys, this past weekend of football might have been the best weekend of football 
I have ever seen. You had all four games be decided on the final play of the game or going to overtime. Um, that was pretty cool to just watch all of it. A, as a fan of Rams, but also a fan of just football itself. Um, that will wrap up for this week's edition of the TRN Server uh, podcast. Uh, like I said, just me this time. Uh, the gentleman that I wanted to bring on in Manico fell under the weather, so we'll have them next time in the future. Uh, hope everyone has a good work week, a good school week, or whatever this week has in store for you. Uh, I want to thank uh, you taking the time out to listen to this. Have a good time. Thanks.